you recording? Uh, yes. Welcome back from vacation, John. It's been a little while. Scotty, have you missed me? John, my heart has been thumping in my chest with a pining that I've not known in years. So wait, did you eat something bad last night or something? Or you know, had yeah, one cheeseburger too, too many? Much, too much garlic. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so before we get into the sort of meaty stuff, let's uh, how was your vacation? You've been you've been sunning yourself and you you're sort of crispy now on the outside? I, I am fairly crispy on the outside, yes. I did have a, a glorious week. Um well, yeah, technically less than a week in this island called Sifnos. Which is in the, uh, I will not be able to pronounce it, but in the, the, the Cyclad or the Cyclad, C-Y-C-L-A-D-E-S. It's an island chain. Not, not to be confused with the Peloponnesian Islands, but the, another island chain. And, uh, it was grand. It's, uh, I think that, you know, when you go off on vacation, sometimes it takes you a couple of days to actually get into vacation. And then all of a sudden you have to go back. And when you're going far away and you have ferry schedules and, and, and things don't line up, you have to kind of leave a bit early. But, uh, it was still very good. Yeah, the act of going on vacation can be quite stressful, can't it? But uh, yeah. there we are. Yeah, I've had various two vacations over the last couple of weeks, sort of a three-dayer and then a week, and uh, all in the UK just because it, it was easy and whatever else. But um, so we haven't spoken for a while. So um, you know, uh, it's it's good that you're back. I'm glad that uh, you're crispy on the outside, but I'm sure still soft on the inside as you're supposed to be. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, what is uh, as you've been lying on that beach and you've been considering the world going by? What is what has struck you? What is uh, what is uh, titillated you a little in the last uh, week or two? Well, you know, this whole question about about how how do you build teams? Um, and because there was a couple of tweets, and I'm, I will probably get the, the exact chronology a bit long, uh, a bit incorrect. But somebody had tweeted, somebody had written saying, you know, Apple should open up an office in Seattle because there's all these great software engineers and, and they could find, you know, they could mine a new vein of, of, of great talented software engineers and they could attract, you know, ex Apple and uh, rather ex Microsoft and ex Adobe folks. And, and then somebody else, um, Holly, Holly Winkler, is that her name? I'm so Holly, Holly Winkler, I think. Right. Yeah. And uh, she tweeted, it's like, actually, no, they, they, you know, they, they're, they're stupid if they don't open up a, a, you know, a European office. And it got me thinking a little bit because I also saw this piece saying that for, uh, for Chinese customers, they've started storing some of their data in Chinese located servers, um, you know, some of the iCloud data or whatnot. And I, I have to assume that may have to do with Chinese regulations or something, because there 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 has been a lot of discussions, you know, post Snowden, you know, revelations about people being nervous about where Apple uh, stores their data, or you know, storing data in general on American-owned servers. So all these things together kind of make me wonder a little bit, because Apple, of course, is is now building their super, you know, spaceship headquarters in Cupertino, and their their basic idea is that yeah, they have offices in various parts of the world, but they've mostly been sales and demonstration offices and they, they don't as a company really have m much research and development in, in the way that companies like Google do and it made me wonder about that that you know maybe they ought to because you know my whole experience of the summer echoes what I've been you know experiencing for the last couple of years that they're they're gosh there's a, a world full of talent people of all different you know uh, in, in all different domains and it, you kind of you you turn your back on that at your own peril, and I think even and I wonder if Apple should maybe consider having some 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 presence, some you know, development presence outside of Cupertino. 
Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? Like their philosophy very much has been the you know keep everything in one place, keep it secret. Remember James Thompson at um, his presentation in his conference this year about his history when he used to work for Apple and he was um, working on early OS ten and I think he was working on the dock. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, um, you know he was doing from from Ireland and then Steve Jobs um, discovered that the engineer working on the dock was living in fucking Ireland is the I think the <laughs> quote was um, and then there was this elaborate scheme I think to pretend that James was now <laughs> oh, right yes. now, had now moved to uh, Cupertino and just happened to not be in his office every time Steve went by um, so there was definitely a culture there of, of and I guess it was it's that sounded to me like it was to do with uh, I'm, I'm going to use the word control now whether that's control of information or control of people I'm not sure but it was this like a you know, this this control thing in Apple that, you know, and then there must be this fear that if you know they don't maintain that, if they open another office, how they're going to do that? I mean, they have sales offices and they have developer relations offices all over the world, but I mean, those places have no authority, no power, and no insight into. Um, that sounds really bad, but you know, no insight into anything in the engineering side. So yeah, I guess it'd be a challenge. I guess if they did Seattle, same time zone. Effectively, was Seattle six hour drive, couple of hours flight. Um, if they wanted to pull people into Cupertino, whereas Europe, you've got time zone issues. But I, I think you know, there's nothing stopping Apple, and it doesn't matter you know, how big they build this new spaceship. It's not going to be big enough if they carry on the way they're going now. Um, I mean, there's still plenty of indies left to employ. Um, so you know, they, they're going to need more offices. But I, 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 it's a cultural shift, isn't it? In there, and they've given no indication that they're they're interested in that. And then you take it, you know, the, the opposite extreme, which will be, you know, a, a lot of companies these days or a company like Rem Objects that um you know I, I work for now, you know, we have no office. Everybody is distributed. Um our staff are all in different countries. Everything is done online, um, via Skype and via Slack and um via our servers and, and, and stuff like that. And and we have no um uh, no, no physical location of the same. I think we're in about six different countries or something. Um, you know, and that does, and you know, to us, that sometimes creates a problem of, of team, you know, of, of generating teams. So although we all work together, so this swings and roundabouts all over the place, isn't there? Yeah. And, 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 and this whole thing has also made me think a little bit about, you know, kind of, uh, university education. We've talked about it before and not to, to, to drift too, too far afield, but it just reinforces in my mind that, you know, if you are in, 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 in university today, um, you really, really owe it to yourself to, to learn the processes that one does from, from working on distributed teams. Um, and that, that, you know, not every, you know, the thing about shipping software is that, you know, successful product depends on, on, you know, having equal efforts put into the design of things as into the coding as into the business development of it. And you, you ship, you have to earn the right to, to kind of continue to refine, but that, that could be applied to other things. I mean, you know, shipping is, is not just reserved for software. It could be for other, other domains. It could be original research. It could be, you know, whatever, a museum exhibit, it could be, you know, a musical composition or a film or any of those different things. And, and, that that the the types of things that I think that 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 software developers are have a kind of have to be good at to be able to collaborate effectively online with people distributed around the world are skills that I think will have to be considered as as kind of basic literacy right um, so if you were in university and you're not somehow figuring out this 
take it from 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 a gray beard like me it is a, a valuable and useful skill to have there you have it yeah, I think, yeah, because the reality is right now there is no technical reason to have to keep people in the same place. I mean, back, you know, 10, maybe 15 years ago, you know, most of the tools we used, um, if you had build servers and all this sort of stuff, they were they were LAN-based. And, and the whole idea of accessing these things from outside the office was always a great pain in the backside to the network administrators whereas now you know every tool we use be it github or or, or or you know any 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 of the tools we use you know even if we're hosting them ourselves they all tend to be built to work across the internet so technically there's no reason not to do it it's just how you know what your culture says now yep yeah and all that said there's there's no substitute for going off and, and spending time with people but i think absolutely the new normal is that you're going to have to Build your teams with people, and you're going to have to get comfortable with the idea of, of trucking off somewhere for a couple of weeks here and there, you know, in, in some some in some place that will be foreign to you and perhaps uncomfortable at first. But um, ultimately, you should become comfortable with with, with, with that type of discomfort, uh, and you will find that it, it becomes very comfortable after a while. That the ability to go do these things, you know, you'll you'll live with jet lag, you'll live with this, that, and the other thing. But it, it, it is absolutely the the new normal. I mean, there are a few downsides, I mean, but there's downsides to both. I remember I was working last time. I was working with a team in the office. You know, it's really easy to get distracted by what was on TV last night and the conversation about that, or you know, uh, what you're doing for lunch and, and and all this sort of stuff. And you can find that depending on you know, if you're in a sense of attitude or mind that day that you you're struggling to focus a little bit then you can easily find distractions you know it's far easier than if you're just by yourself um in in that but equally sometimes as you know you know, when there's a problem a quick very very quick conversation and you know it's um you can sort a problem out with the people in the office or by calling a quick meeting or whatever else whereas when you're running your your life online i tend to find conversations even about simple things that have to go on across a typing you know in chat a chat um service of some form we use slack which is mm-hmm. really really good um in fact i really like slack if you've not tried it i highly recommend people go and have a look um but actually a text-based conversation it proportionately takes a long time to discuss even a simple thing and you can suddenly find a couple of hours has gone on something that if you've been sat in the same room um you would have done quite quickly and I, but I guess the answer there is fire up Skype and get it sorted out but that always seems to be you know less of an idea yeah I mean this is I'm sure that this is where we would be inserting our advertisement for for Cisco telepresence if they were one of our sponsors but they're not but we do have a, a much nicer sponsor don't we Scott, Scotty we do John we do it's our friends at Martian Craft well I think they're still our friends they've not told me yet that we're not their friends um, and uh, with their product Briefs now Briefs is uh, an application a Mac application that allows you to mock up your um, your app and put it together not just uh, the screens but the workflow um, how things go from buttons and, and uh, tables and that sort of thing and then you can download it onto the device uh, where you'll be running the mock-up and obviously the advantage of that is you get to feel what it's like on the device in your hand um, straight away and as I say every time we do this advert um, it's a real skill to 
be able to take a 2D image and in, from Photoshop and, and, and be able to pick up all the issues that's going to give you when it's running as an app on a device. So uh, it, I know it's still not your full app, but by getting something on the device, seeing the workflow, are the buttons in the right place to press, uh, I, you know, saves hours of time, saves possibly you know thousands and thousands of dollars of rewrites uh, when you realize it's not working. It's a way of putting a mock-up at your customer very early to sort of uh, get their approval on things. So, that, yeah, because actually it's even harder to get a customer to appreciate these things. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a great app produced by a great bunch of people. Um, so we highly recommend you go check it out. Um, giveabrief.com. You can download a free trial. And um, if you like it, you can buy it for 199 bucks and uh, tell them that we sent you. Briefs. Life's too short not to be able to know exactly what you need to build before you build it. John, I'm one of these people who's constantly tinkering with my setup and my network and and what I keep running. And, um, you know, and and I can spend as many hours sort of setting up a new this or a new that as I do actually doing, doing productive stuff. Um, and yeah, but one thing I've never really done is, is properly run OS 10 server, um, and see what that's, that's given me. And I, and I know, yeah, I guess one of the main reasons to look at it now is because of the Xcode services on it. But have, have you looked at an OS X server at all? At, uh, only in the most peripheral ways. Um, and, you know, we, we made an effort to try and use an Xcode server some time ago, but we ran into blocks for it not working if you use CocoaPods. And I think now there's, now maybe there's some, some workarounds for it. Now maybe it works. I don't know. Um, but I haven't. No. So, so and I guess it seems so. Yeah, so I'm interested to know how people have, have got on with the Xcode services. I know when they were first released, which I think is Mavericks was the first um, release Xcode services have been in, I seem to remember. Um, but one of the things that I was thinking, well, if I'm going to set up a server, I want it to be pretty visible from wherever I am in the world or from away, you know, because you know I'm constantly away for at least three days a year. Um, <laughs> so uh, I've been also looking at some of these sort of Mac hosting companies. Um, and I haven't done much research, so I'm not going to sort of uh, name and shame any companies that, you know, could, but the quality has seemed to vary um, quite a lot for what seems to, to, to work and not work. And uh, the prices are quite varied, but um, it's uh, just, just, you know, actually you can get a Mac Mini, a dedicated Mac Mini out there now, uh, sitting on a full gigabit uh, Ethernet connection on, on the web um, for really, you know, sort of, you know, 70 80 bucks a month which i know by modern standards compared to a you know a, an amazon instance or whatever else is um you know it, it is quite expensive but i think for a dedicated piece of hardware a machine um on that sort of you know bandwidth with uh being allowed to set everything up and doing all your stuff is, is pretty darn impressive that is pretty impressive. And do you find uh, remotely managing it? What do you do? Do you use the whatever Apple remote access thingy, or, or yeah, just use screen sharing? All right um, now, which is on the whole pretty good as long as my internet connection is holding up. Um, you see, my internet connection is quite poor. One of the reasons I started looking at putting a, a machine, I have about seven Linux servers out there. Um, doing various different things, um, and over the last couple of years, I've got quite good at administering Linux servers. Uh, I'm not going to say I'm um, an expert and I'm definitely not efficient, but I can, you know, my days of fumbling around of trying to do the simple things that I do are, are gone. I'm, I'm pretty, 
um, effective with that sort of stuff. However, it's still all command line and some of it is a bit, you know, it's all using Vi or Vim in whatever else. And the idea of actually maybe just running some of my more basic sites that are more for my own use and, you know, maybe just keeping some backups and uh, maybe even looking at hosting some mail for some of my really quiet domains and just doing it through the GUI on OS X server. And if I add all those things up and I get rid of all the sort of $5 here and $10 here and $15 here, I'm paying for some of those services. And I could probably cover, you know, easily cover the cost of that server. And, and I'm quite tempted at the moment. But equally, I'm thinking, am I just opening a whole can of worms for myself that really just, you know, just keep away from it and let the experts carry on with this stuff? Well, I think, Scotty, in the interest of, of you being the, the experimental you know, lab animal, you should go ahead and do it and then report back your findings so that people can either benefit from, from the warning you provide them, don't bother, or benefit from like, yeah, life's too short to, to have to uh, – you refer to it in vile – I mean, were you meaning VI, like the editor, or vile Vim? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I'd love to hear from anybody who does run an OS X server specifically in the cloud as opposed to just um, uh, sat in their, their, their office um, and, you know, the pros and cons of that. You know, you get the feeling that OS X server is a workgroup server as opposed to an enterprise server. Um, but the reality is, yeah, I could probably run the iDeveloper website off it. I mean, I mean there's nothing... Um, you know, it, it gets, you know, it, it's traffic by comparison. You know, it's no Google, it's no, you know, Microsoft. It's not going to be hitting you like with tens and tens of thousands of people. Um, and, you know, so it's, uh, uh, it's, uh, it, it's just, um, it just interests me to have a play. And, and for now, it's sort of $80, $90 a month, especially if I can knock off $50, $60 of other fees from elsewhere. Um, yeah, I'm just thinking it might be worth spending a, few few days of my life having a play with but there we are but i'm interested to know what other people think and uh, if anyone's done it and if i should stay away from it people always say you should never host your own mail and i think that's probably quite wise advice um and but i yeah but it's based on unix it's running apache but i guess you could run nginx and other things on there if you wanted to so but i guess that might all mean going command line and that defeats the point but there we are we'll see what happens i will let you know over time Okay. Scotty, I think we are now coming to that portion of the podcast where we admit the nasty things that we do in the, in the name of getting something done. Can we do that? Um, oh, John, I was hoping not to have to do any confessions this week. But yeah, go on. You start. <laughs> this is where now the screen door opens. <laughs> and I say, forgive me, Father, I've sinned. And I don't know. When you, you have to like, give me like, oh, have three stand-ups and, and write two, yes. two personas and one Go story. away and do five Android compilations. <laughs> <laughs> now, I... Uh, uh, you know, with with upcoming iOS eight, uh, you know the most obvious bit of technology to 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 adopt at least for Findry is to to make a sharing extension, um, and that was the thing that I was one of the things that I was most excited about with with upcoming iOS eight. But sadly, you know the, the you know the video makes it seem really easy um, uh, to to build a sharing extension, and and they have this great example code um, that they show in the video. But of course, that actual code is not available. <laughs> Sadly, um, and you know, my experience in, in writing extension was not very easy. Um, I, I just kind of barely got it working before I went on to vacation. I came back and kind of got it over over another uh, hump. And and actually, one of the reasons why is because I literally ran into to, to Jason. Um, 
uh, from NS Conference fame, who you know now lives in San Francisco and is working at Twitter. And, he, and uh, I was lamenting with him. He goes, "Oh yeah, we had a problem too." And, and he kind of pointed me in some directions that helped me figure it out. But uh, the thing about writing extensions, have you, have you ever have you done any looked at it all, Mr. Scotty? I have to be honest, I have not uh, done anything with iOS 8. I've spent a little bit of time uh, looking at Yosemite, but uh, iOS 8 is still all brand new to me. It is on my list, and I hopefully we're going to get to look before it's released. Uh, well, you know, so the, the, there's two aspects for it with a sharing extension. Part of it is very, very easy. You know, you basically have, you know, your own view controller. You can, you can subclass, the, you know, the, the basic sharing view controller if, if what you want to do is to make it kind of simple and, and look very much like the, the system you know, uh, Twitter, you know, sharing uh, view controller or Facebook one, and you can adapt that. Um, so for many kind of social media sharing sites where you kind of, you're going to pick an image and write some text and, 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 you know, do that type of thing. Um, it's pretty easy to do, but the, the, the big tricky thing about it is that, um, debugging it has, was just so painful, you know, that they, they, uh, you know, it's gotten in some ways better, in some ways worse as the various betas have come out. But one of the fundamental issues is that because it's such a sandbox thing, you know, the 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 techniques for being able to actually attach to the uh, your extension when it's running and and the the, the contortions you have to do, um, I didn't really kind of get it figured out until very very recently. And that's just because you know you you see a bunch of contradictory advice about how how it's how it should work. And finally, kind of with with one obscure. Um, you know, a response in Stack Overflow was not the the the, the selected answer, but a, but one of the op- optional ones. Uh, I kind of was able to you know, uh, consistently able to debug it. But anyway, what I ended up doing before I was able to make that work, since the sharing extension itself, you know, you have a a view which has a a text area in it, I was literally, you know, borrowing a technique that I used to use when when building a web app where you try to, you know, you don't have, you don't have a console like you do with Xcode. So, you you know, a lot of web developers would, would create their own. I mean, and now browsers kind of allow you to do that and you can log directly to a console. But in the early days, we would just basically have a, a DOM element you know, which you could show, and then you could just dump all your text there. You could dump, you know, make all your logging statements append the text there. I ended up doing the same thing. It was the only way I could kind of see what's going on. It was, it was, it was ridiculous. But uh, the second kind of much more difficult thing I think about writing extensions is that you are required to use the NS Earl, uh, you know, NS background Earl session, right? So NS Earl session is is something not something I'd used until just now. Um, because I'd always been using URL connection, URL, uh, URL request. Um, but since that's been the new hotness since iOS 7, um, you have to adopt that. You don't have a choice because you're back, you know, you, 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 you basically compose your message and then when you, you, you tap post, your extension disappears and you basically have to have a, a, an extension, uh, sorry, a, a background URL session which is doing its thing. And in the end, it, it will co- open up your app in a background mode. Um, and you know, trying to debug that was was really hard. So, uh, yeah, I hope that it gets easier. But if anybody uh, by any chance is listening to this and they have been trying to to build a sharing extension and they need help, uh, my gosh, it was so difficult. I probably ought to write a little blog post about it. But if you are, are having troubles, connect with me, and I will see if I can help you to to spare you some of the pain I've experienced and to to give you some of the help that I did get myself. Extensions are definitely the things that seem to have excited people most uh, by them. I mean, I've not seen too many people then talking about their successes with them, but I guess you know maybe it's because iOS eight isn't out yet, and yeah. and you're allowed to do it. But that's. Um, do you think this is just teething problems, or do you think it's, it is going to get better? Or 
I, I think it's teething problems. I think this is one of the cases where you know the documentation there's 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 kind of it, it's in rough form and and you know maybe it's me maybe I just suck but generally speaking if you have a new API um, which it definitely is you know you you kind of expect there to be a a, a reference app. That, that says this is how it's done. And especially in this particular case, because it's moving parts, it's very difficult to, to, to see all the different pieces coming together unless you have an example of it, because you're, you're, there are bits in technology, like as I said, kind of NS Earl session has been around for a while, but there are, are, you know, you can use kind of NS Earl sessions in a controller that's sticking around, or you can use background Earl sessions where, you know, the, the control flow and, and, and the completion handlers are passed between your code and then your process quits. And then it goes into this background, you know, mechanism, which is Apple's black box. And it then kind of calls your app in background mode when, when things are either complete or when there's an error or when it needs to ask for, you know, permission to, to access, a, a, you know, a, an HTTPS connection or, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There, there, there are quite enough number of, of, of moving parts um, that, you know, it, it, and this is what, what kind of drove me nuts a little bit that, 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 that the, the reference example that they, they show during the presentation, it kind of, it's, 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 it's really frustrating when, when that example is shown in this session and you see bits of code for it, it either in the video and you're literally kind of stopping the frame, coding it up yourself, or you know, trying to to, to to retype it or copy and paste it out of the, the 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 slide things, but it's only snippets. It's missing some of the implementation details, and then you keep checking, and you keep checking. Is it back? You know, this time I've had to actually make a very very heavy use of of the developer forums. Um, so yeah, it was it was it was not as easy as 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 I've had. You know, it was not as easy as adapting other new technologies. And I think in this particular case, it's just the nature of, of, the, of the way that things are, are running in containers. Yeah, it's surprising. So you've not found that uh, with the sort of very loose um, uh, uh, NDA this time that there's you've not found lots of postings out there of people who've already solved this? No, that's the thing. <laughs> it's not. There, there, there have been a number of examples for, for today extensions. But I've not, as as of as of yet, found saying here's an example of using a sharing extension where you have to to kind of do an upload in the background and and uh, you know in this particular case you know part of it is 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 in in our case the the it's a kind of a two-step process because you have to upload the image first you get a response saying here's the idea the id of the 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 uploaded image and then you can make the final submission which has the you know here's the 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 location the metadata all that kind of stuff related to it um that you're 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 make a final note submission so i suppose if our api was one single submission which had both the binary data representing the the, the photo and all the metadata related to it it might possibly have been a little bit simpler but not not radically you know so you'd have one one you know one earl session instead of two um but and then the other thing too particularly about earl sessions that's a little bit trickier is that they're not given the same priority um as as a foreground you know network communication that you might get because that's you know the, the it's all about you know maintain you know uh giving as much capability network and cpu time to the the hosting application as you know in your plugin is kind of it has to do this very very careful dance um so it's it, it's it's not it, it it's not as smooth a, an interaction as it is as it is when you're in your own app and your app is kind of the, the front and center and the the controllers that are 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 
there to, 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 you know, to, to, to receive delegate, delegate method, you know, delegate methods being fired on your controller or completion handlers, you know, blocks that, 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 you, that only one controller is around. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's, it was tricky. Well, maybe I look forward to the blog post. I look forward to you posting some sample code so that you can be the savior of the development community, John. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I, I ought to. So, well, I think uh, we might as well call that a, a day there. There's, there's a whole bunch of stuff we haven't spoken about. Um, did you keep up with this uh, whole debate on... Um, that's not debate, a whole bunch of stuff that started going on about, you know, whether anyone on iOS was actually making any money? I did, and and I sh- I should track down the you know the the blog post I found the most interesting about it was you know some it was a podcast and the guy was just basically saying that look you have to you know on the one hand the possibility of, of even having a chance to do this is is a tremendous kind of thing and that you have to you know that that hadn't existed you know if you if you have any type of perspective you know it, 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 you have to keep in mind that very very few people are able to do it and most people in fact do need to to do this mixture of of doing consulting and other work and he was basically saying look you know there's nothing wrong with that i don't know and he was like saying why are people all down on it it's like you have to look at it kind of have to step back a little bit and think think about it in terms of 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 your life right and he says that you 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 kind of have to believe that that if you're doing software engineering if you're building an app primarily you're doing it hopefully because you love it right and so you have to kind of think about it in terms of you know some people like to perform music some people you know like to act some people like to paint and draw and so it's, these are creative processes which very 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 few people are able to fully sustain their life doing it so maybe you know you should rethink a little bit realize that you know it, it is a long hard slog you have to have patience um and and don't get all wrapped around the axle about kind of are you the true indie or, or, or not. So I, I it, it, it's it is amazing to see the the amount of transparency in, in people just you know laying bare their their successes or kind of not successes. I mean that you know they're proud of their apps and their sales are 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 very very limited even with with, with what kind of you know pretty significant volume in terms of, of sheer users but you know if your app is having to sell at a couple bucks a piece you know e- even if you price your app at, at 10 bucks it's still you know given the amount of time it, it takes to, to build a quality app don't do it expecting that the, the one app is going to you know give you give you the you know a, a return on your investment that is much more than than, than, than minimum wage and I think we have to remember as well this is because of the immediate sort of gold rushes it's called you know, there's this expectation now that you can put an app in the app store and you'll make your living off it. Um, whereas if you go back to, you know, take, take I mean, I, I think, you know, take a look at some of the people who are held up in the industry as being great examples of being indie developers, uh, such as Gus Miller, for example. You know, he was probably working on his app, um, Voodoo Pad at the time, you know, f- I can't remember for how long, five years before he even quit his other job. Uh-huh. Um, you know, this stuff, you know, it's about building a product. It's about building something that builds a user base, begins to build an income. You know, th- I think this instant gratification um, is something that's, you know, you, you can't do that with any other business. You, Most people who set out to do a business plan of any type of business that has them being, you know, massively profitable in three months, 
um, yeah, there's not many of those stories around that work. No, and if, if, if people who set out that way, but not many that actually you know, achieve that. I mean, and, and actually, it's the slow burn. It's the slow, steady building things up as you go, and um, you know, building that income to you know, a hundred dollars a month, to two hundred dollars a month, to three hundred dollars a month. You know, grind, grind, grind. Um, and you know, your heart's got to be in that side of it as much as it is doing anything else. But if you want to be a successful business person, I think. Totally. Yep. Yeah. And so those people who do make it, they put an app in the store and they make a hundred thousand dollars the first month and then $30,000 a month after that, you know, good luck to you, but you're not the norm. No. Well, John, it's been an absolute pleasure having you droning on in my ears again. I've missed it. <laughs> That's a, droning is us. Droning, droning our ass. Droning our ass. John, now that you're back in the US of A and you're not sunning yourself on some some beach, where can people find you? Well, you can find me on Findry as John Fox. And, and I, I, I created a, a note map called uh, uh, Not Observing Greece, but, uh, uh, you know, uh, yeah, participating. So instead of being a mere observer for three weeks, people were saying, gosh, have you moved to Greece? And so, you know, my, my notes, um, I think are, are a different tone and, and, and still interesting to, to look at. So check them out on Findery. Uh, you can find me on the, on the Twitters as Jembe. That's D J E M B E, like the West African drum. And you can find out all about my product, Memory Miner, at memoryminer.com. And my name is Scotty. And you can find me on Twitter as MacDevNet. If you want to see what I spend most of my days working on now, I work with the guys at RemObjects at RemObjects.com. And you can find the show notes for this show at iDeveloper.co. John, there's more stuff to talk about. Next week, I'll hopefully tell you about my first experience of writing an Android application in Swift. Oh, and, right. And, um, uh, yeah, so we'll leave it at that. Now, hopefully by next week I can talk to you about that. Uh, if you want to know anything more about that, it's we're using a product called Silver, which we're developing at RimObjects, and you can go get on the uh, some information at RimObjects.com slash Silver if you can't wait till next week. I will try and get this show out faster than last time. All vacations took me two or three weeks to get our last recording out, John. In fact, I think it only went out about two days ago. Yeah. But uh, I think that will have whetted people's appetites to hear us again. So, everyone, thank you very much for listening. It's been great to be back, and until next time, you take care. Thank you.